Today's show is brought to you by Grammarly, an intelligent writing app. Download Grammarly's browser extension and create a free Grammarly account at www.getgrammarly.com forward slash holy backboard. Let's go! All right, everybody, welcome to the 185th edition of the Holy Backboard Podcast. I am Dustin here in Rip City, and I got my man. Sage, chilling here in Beaverton, Oregon. Just got done with the holidays, and... Man, I'm so happy to be done with the holidays. Like, Christmas was not it this year. Uh, For the first time ever, I'm looking more forward to New Year's than Christmas, which is usually the complete opposite, but... Man, it just it just wasn't wasn't the same. Um, listeners of the podcast have known um, I was in between jobs for about oh man three to four months this summer, so money was a little bit tight. We we didn't really do anything big this year for Christmas, but you know um, Olga's family was supposed to come up on Christmas Eve. They both got strep throat, so they didn't come up. And then when my parents showed up on Christmas Day, my mom was extremely sick. They only stayed a couple of hours. She eventually passed that um, sickness over to my dad, who's still dealing with it. So to me, I just treated them like like two days off and uh, looking forward to the next holiday season. But, you know, I feel like everybody goes through a Christmas where it's just it's just unmemorable and you kind of want to, you know, just get past it. So that was mine. Um how about yourself, bud? I know you went down to visit your fam. Uh, it was cool. I got to hang out with my mom and, uh, you know, hang out with her. We uh, cooked and had fun. We watched Blazer games and basketball games. It was cool. Have you ever been sick on Christmas? Because that shit is legitimately the worst. Um, but yeah, so it, it was cool. I, I had fun. But, you know, watching the Blazers game, games was kind of... Uh, shitty because of the results but at least we got to see at least i got to see the games with my mom really yeah and that's really all all that matters for the blazers week that was what was kind of similar to mine not really great results but uh this past uh saturday so yesterday we're recording on on sunday i took a friend of the pod one of the OG members of Holy Backboard, Matt, to the Blazer Laker game. And it was really just to go and hang out and, and have a good time. I had, even though I, I picked the Blazers to win, I had zero expectations that they would, especially after how they performed the first two games of the week. So it was just then to go be present, to bond. Uh, it was entertaining game. And so that's really what the season for me is in a nutshell. Just, you know, watching those moments, getting excited and really not getting too worked up, whether they, they win or they lose. Obviously a really tough week for our trailblazers. They go 0 and 3, losing to New Orleans, 102-94. Following that up with a day after Christmas contest in Salt Lake City, they played the Jazz down to the wire, but dropped uh, another tough contest, 121-115, and then the most recent game against the, the LA Lakers, Portland lost 128-120. to Sage, our Blazers are now 14-19 and on the year, losers of three straight, still somehow in the eighth seed, but the Spurs are creeping up, and you can never count out a, a veteran-laden 
laden team, especially one coached by Greg Popovich. And to me, the Blazers, we all talked about this, this home heavy month. We talked about, we talked about how we really had a tough start to the season. We were road heavy, but now it's really evened out. We played 16 at home, 17 away from home. And this was supposed to be our month to make our mark. 10 of the 14 games were at the Rose Garden. And Sage, we are just 6-7 and seven this month. Yes, we have a chance to make it 500, but this was the month we were supposed to kind of make, make hay. Yeah, it was supposed to increase the margin of error. Yeah, and we still find ourselves five games under 500. I believe we were five games under 500 when Carmelo came. You know, it just, th- this team kind of ebbs and flows. They'll win three straight, then they'll lose four straight. You know, and they'll go kind of back and forth with, with these roller coaster swings. And obviously, with the injury to Scal LeBissier, really in the first five minutes of that Laker game, the season is even more in the balance because. He's having to go for a second MRI. That's never a good sign. He's not traveling on this upcoming five-game road trip stage. I believe the Blazers have like one player above 6'9 on the roster, and that's Hassan Whiteside. Yes, they're bringing up Moses Brown, but he was barely getting any run at UCLA this time last year. So, I mean, it is slim pickings for our Blazers. And Scow was playing extended minutes because he... Mello went out and then Scow would come in for a few minutes and then he would take over the center spot for Hassan. So it wasn't like he was just the direct backup. He played minutes with Hassan, which made his his loss that much more because you can kind of replace a direct backup with another player if you're if we just had another center. But the fact that we trusted Scow so much to end uh, uh, that, that jazz game so much to put him in the jumbo starting lineup. Terry was trusting him to get those extended runs, and now that we have to find some something to replace those twenty four minutes in a game, and it's and the center production, it's it's gonna be that that injury was devastating to an already devastated lineup. I mean, like I talked about it last week, where we were missing thirty seven point five percent of all of our projected starters minutes or minutes in the game. Now it's even more. It's like. It has to be 45% just because of how much Scow's played. So replacing 45-50% of the minutes that you could use now, it's like, what do we do? What do we do in this in our big rotation? It's Hassan Mello, Moses Brown, and Anthony Tolliver. This is this is this is bad. You asked what can we do? The answer is nothing. And and that's really where the Blazers have to It's tough, but they have to come to acceptance. These were the cards we were dealt. You get Zach Collins hurt early. Okay, that that's a bummer. You go out and you sign Mello. He can come in and kind of keep the team afloat. Okay, you lose Rodney Hood. That is a, a major bummer, especially given the, the length of that injury. But you are a guard-heavy team, so you can kind of fill in the spots. You've got Kent, you've got young guys, and Gary Trent Jr., and Anthony Simons. But these injuries keep compiling and you're not bringing any of those injured bodies back into the rotation. And now you lose a, one of the more important pieces on your roster in Scalabissier because he, he was playing quite well. And 
you don't have a backup center anymore. You don't really have a traditional power forward at the moment. Mario Hozonia is already dealing with, with back spasms, which was really ailing both Damian Lillard and Rodney Hood and even Nasir Little throughout the course of the season. So Mario is now one of your quote-unquote bigs, and he's out uh, of the lineup. The Blazers just really have to figure out a way to end games without getting hurt. And that's really what we have to define as a success when, when we watch these upcoming games. Because at a certain point, you have to look at what the roster we have and who we're trotting out there. Not just on paper, not just individually, are they talented or not, but collectively. Do they fit? Do you have enough depth? Do you have enough size? You know, God forbid Hassan gets dinged up, you know, with, with his ankle or he gets into foul trouble because most NBA rosters have like three seven footers on the team. And we, we got one, you know, two if you want to count Moses Brown, but he can't be up here for the long haul. He only gets 45 days with the team. Now, I don't know if that changes given the nature of Scal's injury. We do have an open roster spot and we do have a disabled player exception. So there are options out there, but I think any hope now that the Blazers can catch Utah, I mean, you're even looking at OKC who's starting to play well. They went into Toronto tonight and got it done. And now we're four games back in the loss column of the Oklahoma City Thunder. They're sitting at 17 and 15 winners of seven of their last 10 games starting to really click and gel. So long story short, you just have to kind of take your medicine at this point. You know, I don't think your long-term outlook changes at all. I think you still get what you can get to make the team better in the long haul. But trying to find somebody that's going to spark it this year. I mean, the basketball gods have told us repeatedly over and over with all of these injuries. No, Blazers. It's just it's just not happening. And that's unfortunate, but it's something I've came to accept and it makes viewing the games a lot easier for me because I'm just there to be entertained now play hard see Dame do something incredible watch Penny dunk on three Lakers like that's what I'm there for yes I I would have loved for them to to win that game but they didn't and there's reasons why that happened and a lot of those reasons were out of Portland's control you know it's kind of like where did you notice how injured the uh, Washington Wizards front court is dude I, I I couldn't name more than five Washington Wizards. Okay, so let me just... Uh, they're, they're never on TV, and I don't have league pass. Thomas Bryant's out uh, with a sudden devastating injury. Motis Wagner's out. Uh, Rui Hachimura's out. Davis Bertans is out. So they are at the level, or worse, because uh, they, they, they don't have a Hassan Whiteside to play. And it's just bodies. Like, that. that's what... We need to sign a body if this is on white if if the Scalabissier injury is as devastating as we imagined it is because with all the information that we have, it's like this shit doesn't look good. So I think we're and it's it's kind of similar to Zach in the sense where we had to wait forever mm-hmm. to get the MRI results. They wanted a second MRI to go for it. It just it's not adding up to be something positive. You know, as a Blazer fan, I'm already programmed to 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 think the worst and accept. Oh, I'm already some, I'm already assuming it's uh, it's a bad one just because of the Blazers. Absolutely, especially Portland big man injury history knees. I mean, I would be amazed if it's uh, a, a medium sized injury. 
you you said that there's nothing that we can do. I would argue that it's something. It's just not going to be huge. It's going to be bodies, not talented bodies, but bodies at the foreign pot. Well, yeah, we yeah, can, we I can't mean, put us on and Anthony Tolliver. So, it's, but you're not making oh, a no, trade no, no, now no, no, to get. No, oh my no, god, no. we got to get no, another no, no, guy. No. It's like, oh, how are you doing, Jason Smith? Can you play 18 minutes? How are you doing, whoever? You know, Joe Noah, if you want to throw that out there now. Like, it, it's it's going to be, we're going to offer some 10-day contracts. If they do well in those 10-day, we'll give them a second. If they do well and catch lightning in the bottle, we'll sign them for the rest of the year. That's the type of thing that we can, we're, we're, we're looking forward to with uh, our big rotation if Scow's actually seriously hurt. And if... The Blazers do need to go out and sign someone. I hope they don't kick the tires on somebody we know is already a mediocre at best, and that's a Jason Smith. Try to find that lightning in the bottle like you t- touched on, like the Miami Heat did with with, with Kendrick Nunn. Um, go to the G League ranks. See what you can find. Um, who did the Spurs find from the G League ranks, and he became a really solid player? Was it Jonathan yeah. Simmons? He, yeah, he stuck he around. And he, and he, He's a free agent, by the way. He he stuck around. I mean, you can find these guys, and they can come in. I mean, they're they're talented, and obviously your chances are low. But we got you know, plenty of rather... ten days to offer whomever. I just threw Jason Smith because I remember him. Like it could be, uh, fuck, uh, Patrick Young. Let's throw a contract at Patrick Young. He's really in shape and can get rebounds. Like, it's whomever. We just need bodies. Like, the Wizards are running out some crazy players that I can't even pronounce pronounce because their names are so foreign to me. So, it's just finding bodies at this point to play these games. What are your thoughts on Jeff Green, who the Jazz let go? We have two. We have two open spots, right? Mm -hmm. I think one has to be dedicated to a, a big that can play. Six ten yeah, and above, yeah. yeah. One has to be that. Sure, I think he's better than what we have on our team, so I would definitely see what's up. But I think if we are talking about importance, I would go a big man before I go Jeff Green. But if why not both? You know. Yeah, and that's also the we could start, if we if he would take the designated player exception. Sure. But we, we need to find someone to eat 18 minutes of center basketball. Yeah, I think Neil Olshay is in a, kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place with the way the roster is currently constricted, constructed, excuse me, and the way the team is performing at the moment because he knows he's getting Yusuf Nurkic back sometime early in the new year, and he knows the buyout market is right after the trade deadline in mid-February. But Sage, to to be quite honest, I don't think the Blazers are, are going to be able to stay afloat until either one of those options becomes available. And by that time, you're at best three, four games out of the eighth seed. And, and do you really, I mean, let, let's think long and hard about this. Do you really want to make a push for that eighth seed just to play the Los Angeles Lakers? Because I can tell you right now, Sage, I was in the the building. On Saturday, that was the most opposing fans I had ever seen. Walking out of the arena, it was literally every 10th person I saw had a LeBron James jersey on. And the Blazers have have kind of 
boned us before, to be perfectly honest, uh, during the 16-17 season when they magically made a, a push with the, with Nurk Fever, only to have, you know, this is out of their control, but only to have Nurkic go down, and we get swept by the Warriors. That is, aside from a major injury, that is my greatest fear, is that we do just enough to stay at the eight seed and then just get swept by the Lakers in, in four. Like, the team doesn't need to get swept again. I don't think making miss, excuse me, missing the playoffs would be the worst thing in the world. I I really do think getting swept would do more harm. So I'm going to ask a question from the worried blazer fan that sees that Dame's 29 in in his prime. What would you say to that person who was asking you, what about wasting one year of Damien's prime, uh, I mean, what would you call what we're already doing? But, you know, usually what we're doing is getting to the playoffs. I mean... I think the playoffs as a goal is completely... It's overrated. It's overrated for a team that made the Western Conference Finals Do you think there's year? diminishing returns on getting to the playoffs this year? Absolutely. The NBA doesn't, the way the league is set up, it doesn't reward teams just for making the playoffs. Now, if you can win a round and you get the extra revenue, you get the extra experience, even better if you can continue to advance as we did. But getting to pick four to five slots higher and not go through more national embarrassment in terms of playoff performance historically, you know, I don't want Terry Stotts to have to answer those questions either. You know, he's been swept by the Pelicans. He's been swept by the Warriors multiple times. We have kind of highs and lows in the postseason. The highs are great. And I'll even take a sweeping at the hands of the Warriors last year and say that still was an amazing postseason run. But when, they, when they're low, they're gut punches. And a lot of fans have went through a lot of tough years. And the playoffs are when they really hit the hardest. And to that that person that says we're wasting a year of Dame's prime, we absolutely are. But there's four extra games. It doesn't do us any 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 good. It doesn't do Dame any good. I don't want Dame to have to answer those questions. I don't want his rep to be of someone who doesn't get it done in the postseason when he clearly does. And the NBA and the media in general is a what have you done for me lately? I think the the narrative around the Blazers would be a lot better. If they miss the playoffs, look just like what's happening to the Warriors. You get a good lottery pick, you come back healthy. Then go into the playoffs, fight for your life, and then just get swept or a gentleman's sweep. That's going to be a, a tough story to control. I mean, the, the NBA and the media is completely okay with the Warriors right now. They're like, oh, they're hurt. They're fine. They're, they're struggling. You know, they'll be okay. You know, they had a nice win against the Rockets on Christmas Day. Like, they're going to be so good next year. There's that hope that we talked about on a couple of podcasts ago. And I think if you get swept again sooner or later, that, that just, it's going to creep into your, your mental psyche and it's going to be even harder to overcome. And yes, I am speculating a lot and I'm trying, not trying. It's coming across that, you know, it's a definitive that, yeah, if we get the eight seed, we're, we're going to get swept. But, you know, I've, I've, I've just, I've been hurt so many times by this team, especially in the playoffs over the course of, of damn near 30 years 
that I'm more of a, I need to see it before, before I believe it. And as it stands, the Lakers are one, we are eight. That's just a really terrible matchup for us. How the rosters mm-hmm. are currently put we have together. One, we have one guy over six ten, and they have like five six. They have Javale Dwight. It's, just, it's just tough. LeBron's a horse, and so I'm not saying tank. All I'm asking is that we don't sacrifice long term success for short term gains. Uh, don't we don't need to be playing Damon CJ thirty eight minutes a night. That's not what it, 33, 35 minutes is totally fine. Rest them in practice. I, I'm all for them playing the games. Uh, I want to see them play. I, I'm a half season ticket holder, so I don't get any benefit by, by them resting as well. I, I enjoy watching them go out there and play and that. I feel like they truly do compete. And that's the nature of, of their character, their competitors. They, they don't want to rest. And I love that they want to make the playoffs, but the fan in me, needs to see a more complete roster heading into it. Now, if all of a sudden we get Nurk back, Zach gets back, we're starting to click a little bit more, whatever moves we made at the deadline or at the buyout market, and we think we can challenge a team like Lakers, then then hell yeah, let's go for it. But this is me looking at the roster on December 29th, and it, there, there's not a whole lot of light at the end of the immediate tunnel. So... That that's just kind of where Neil O'Shea is kind of stuck at because he just you just don't know what you can do because yes you are wasting a year of Dame's prime you're wasting a year of CJ's prime but uh, I think if you really ride them hard and ride them too hard this year just to quote unquote achieve a goal and, and make the playoffs that is going to hurt them long term rather than just okay we're gonna. Regular season, regular minutes, like, let's not... I mean, look what Tibbs did to Derrick Rose, Luol Deng. Luol Deng, Noah. I mean, yeah, Thibodeau was the opposite of the coach that I want yeah, on like, this team. You got to think that uh, Nick Nurse playing Kyle Lowry, a, like a 30-plus-year-old Kyle Lowry, 40 minutes a game, is going to hurt Kyle Lowry in the near future. Him playing Fred Vanny late those minutes. Gonna hurt him in the future. Spe- uh, Spicy P is out because he's played, he was playing 40 minutes a game. So this Scotty, the Scotty Brooks, the Nick Nurse, the, the Thibodeau way of just playing your starters so many goddamn minutes is gonna hurt these players in their future. And I wouldn't want that with a Dame Lillard and a CJ McCollum because there are guys for the future. So I don't want to waste their. They're primed on just, uh, you know, a short term. I want them to win now instead of we have all these pieces in the future. Let's let's build for that. And th- this year's kind of shitty. It is. And so by reducing the amount of workload off of Damon CJ, let's give a little bit more to Anthony. Let's give more to Gary Trent Jr., Nasir Little. This is what this year is all about. Is seeing what you have and putting them in positions to hit clutch, clutch baskets. I mean, we saw Anthony Simons in that Utah game. He he really helped lead that comeback, and Terry trusted him enough on the offensive end to play a three guard lineup, and he trusted him enough. And said, "Hey, you're going to guard Donovan Mitchell on an island." Part of me was like, "Why are we not putting Bazemore on Donovan Mitchell?" 
I think there's a better option out there. But the other part of me was like, this is for the future. We need to get Anthony some real game life experience. He already went one-on-one against Kyrie. Kyrie got the better end of that, as did Donovan Mitchell. But if you don't think these experiences aren't going to pay off in dividends down the road, I would question that opinion because I I really do think Anthony is going to become a better player because of these these trials and tribulations that he's going through right now. And what it was great to see it was it was really Dame and the Summer League Four. You know, you had uh, Penny, GTR, Nas, and Scal along with Dame. And that was that unit that really got the Blazers back in that Utah game because it was looking like another. It was beneficial for every single young man in that rotation. The fact that Scalabissier played over a guy who had 15 straight double I mean, Scal was the better fit for that game. That that really surprised me. I was looking forward to Hassan and Rudy, but Utah, rightfully so, made Hassan move his feet on defense instead of being the anchor at, towards the basket. And Stotts, intelligently, made the in-game adjustment and said, let's go, Scal. And, and you know, Scal had a couple of nice moves on on Rudy. I thought he played well, which which is why this injury is which is why this injury is such a bummer, because you do get a guy starting to blossom and then all of a sudden he just kind of gets, you know, you know, it's like one step, one step forward, two steps back type of ordeal. Cause he would have been the big guy that player development kinda you you would focus on his improvement game by game or his regression game by game and just think about okay this is what you know our third big would be and now that's taken away and uh, it sucked I mean it sucks for Scal as a person because he was he was making positive gains in his game and then you know this knee injury really really could potentially screw stuff up for him I mean I've I think we're having a shitload of injuries now and hopefully next year and then future years after we don't have to deal with this shit. But right now it's It's coming in waves for whatever. Yeah. For whatever reason, it's just beating us down You know, every, every week or so something bad happens. So it's like, okay, you have to readjust expectations every single week apparently because you know, it was so high in the beginning, and now it's just like, okay, we're just enjoying these games to enjoy Yeah, basketball. this time last week, we had won, what, three straight games? Four straight games. We had won four straight games, and we knew it was going to be a tough week. But with two of the three, at, even at home, Dame has a historically poor shooting night against the Pelicans. The team couldn't throw it in the ocean from three. Okay, that hurts. I mean, that hurts a lot. I mean, we were talking about getting excited about beating sub-500 teams. Well, we kind of regressed back to the team early in the season that couldn't get it done, even against sub subpar opponents who had... Uh, what did you... Th- why was it such a historic night? Was it because Drew Holiday was so good, Dame was so bad, or a mix of both of those things? I mean, from where I was sitting... Again, it's also it's much one. The game was played seven days ago. Three, two full games have, have been played since. And when you're also at the arena, I don't have the ability to to watch or, or see replays or, or kind of focus. You know, you're chatting to buddy, you know, getting a beer. But whenever I saw, we got a lot of wide open looks, and you just the crowd would rise. It's just one of those nights. 
Unfortunately, it happened against an opponent the Blazers had to win, but I was I was happy with all of the looks we were getting. They just they just don't go in. I mean, that's why it was a historically off night. Like Dame Dame just doesn't miss threes. He he did on that night. Yeah, and that, he doesn't miss threes at that level ever. That's just the way the cookie crumbled, and that's kind of how I took it. And yeah, it was unfortunate, but again, the way this season is playing out, nothing really you know surprises me um, anymore. Do you think there's a rivalry between the Pelicans and the Blazers from the Blazers' end? I would hope not, and that's not to discredit anything from New Orleans, but I mean, you look at the rosters from the spring of 2018 to where we're at now in the fall. Uh, of 2019 and they are significantly different i think drew holiday might be the only pelican left off of that playoff team and portland has just uh is it just damon cj that are left off that playoff team zach and nurk zach and nurk yeah so it's just like when people were talking about the blazers and the rockets after that series in 2014 Teams just change so frequently. Parts move. You really only get a couple of core players. And just the way the player movement is so fluid in today's NBA, it really makes it hard for rivalries to sustain. And we're, they're uh, so far apart. Like, I would get... Yeah, geographically, yeah. There, there's just nothing there. Yes, you know, New Orleans had a number two playoffs ago, but... That that's it. That that's the first and only time that that we have played one another in in the postseason. Now, had had Anthony Davis stayed in New Orleans, something probably could have could have came from that. But you also go back last year. Portland makes the Western Conference Finals. New Orleans has the drama with Anthony Davis and ends up you know winning the lottery. So the franchises are on two different parallels, and they're going in you know. They each have the same goal, but they're taking different routes to that goal. They're all going in different directions. You know, I would say Portland before the season was more, you know, win now. You get a lot of division rivals with with Denver and OKC and, and Utah. And New Orleans is more like, okay, let's let's bring in some vets, but we just got the number one pick. This is going to be fun. Uh Anything positive that happens this year is is a success, and we're just going to continue to grow. And we got a bright future. So you got bright future versus win now, and for rivalries to really manifest and, and create, you have to have two teams really on the same path, going in the same direction, and they kind of bump into one another as they try to get to Denver, that final destination. Denver is way more of a rival in my mind than the Pelicans, but it's just like you know. The whole Drew Holiday thing kind of gets people or irks people a little bit. So it's just like, hmm, do people not enjoy this this second this team that I've enjoyed for uh, since two thousand four? Uh, but what um, is there anything else? It's just because they beat the Blazers. It could have been the Indiana Pacers. It could have been the Charlotte Hornets. It, it, it doesn't matter. Whatever team beats the Blazers just kind of goes on our shit list. It's just kind of how it, how it happens. How do you think about Carmelo Anthony in the last few weeks? Do you, do you, it seems like he wants to take a bigger role in the offense by, you can see it by like taking that last shot. What do you think of uh, Melo in the last, uh, like let's say eight games or what do you, what do you think of his play? I think he's definitely coming down a little bit from that player of the week status. 
and it's not really from three. He's still hitting his threes. It's more I've seen the ball stick a little bit more on offense, especially when he gets the ball on that that elbow. Not gonna blame him for that loss at Utah, but as soon as he got the ball, I was like, he's he's gonna he's gonna put it up. And and again, that that's also on on the players or or on on Terry to call a timeout. Like you have one of the best defenders in NBA history with incredible length, and he knows you need a three point shot. That's just a recipe for disaster. Yeah, and I'm not going to blame him for that. He has been much better than than I anticipated. Uh, a, a poor game here or there is not going to deter that. Uh, Melo's actually been uh, a source of entertainment, both to see him get his career back on path, but to see a future Hall of Famer really revitalize this season in terms of bringing some energy, just even if it's doses here or there, like it gives us something to tune into. So I'll be grateful for, for Mello uh, for, for that perspective. So I, I'm not mad at that, at that performance against Utah. It, it happens. Um, Lord knows Dame's taken some bad shots. CJ has every great player makes a bad decision because they think they can get it done. But that's, that's what a great player does. They think they can get so it you're done. You're saying NBA players aren't robots and make mistakes in certain plays. And, you know, uh, if, if we may or may not take plays out of, context and try and prove like that's the our that's how they play 100% of the time. I mean, it's it's ridiculous to expect an NBA player to make the right decision every single time down the floor. And if you think Carmelo didn't want to have that moment where he had a, a game winner or a game tying shot and he wanted to do that this year, you're out of your mind. He absolutely wants that moment. And I don't fault him for that. And you know, really, there, there's low risk in doing it with this current roster because we're not really, we're not really playing for anything meaningful this year. And I know that's hard to hear, but we're not getting home court advantage. We'll be lucky to get the seventh seed. I mean, what, Sage? I mean, let's be real. What, what are we playing for this year? I think we're just playing to be entertained. At this point of view, we've already dug ourselves such such a deep hole. And with all of the, the long-term injuries on the roster, the help's just not going to come in. Highly skilled help. You know. Highly, highly, yeah. The help that we need is not going to come in in time to really drag us back up. So, yeah, if Melo drops 50 in a game, I am all about that. Like, let, let's go for that. Dame dropping 60. To be honest, Sage, I'm not going to remember we lost that game five years from now. I'm just going to say Dame just tore up Kyrie, put 60 on him. That's that's what I'll remember. And that's what I want to see from this season is just finding those memorable moments that you're like, that game was, that game was worth watching. And, and I'll tell you one of, one of those moments for me a long time ago. I don't remember who won the game. I think the Blazers did. But it was Blazers-Lakers probably last game of the year. And Sebastian Telfair went behind the back to Ha Sun Jin for a monster flush and and me and Matt, we were in the stand, just lost our minds. I remember that moment, what, 14, 15 years ago. I don't give a shit about how that season ended. Like those are moments. Why, why we watch. That's why you tune into games. If you're able to, and you know, you only get to watch so many basketball games a season. The off season is, is brutal. And at times this, this team does feel like a chore to watch, but we're really not getting blown out. We're busting our ass and we're doing it undermanned. 
I don't know how much longer that can last because it does take a toll on the team, both physically and mentally. But while they still continue to fight, uh, I'll be fine with that because I have seen Blazer teams quit in the past. Most recently, 2011, 2012, that lockouts year where they had a mutiny against Coach McMillan, got him out. And that, that, that season was difficult to, to stomach. But Damian Lillard was the result of that season. We, we were able to salvage that. And that's what I'm hoping the Blazers are able to do this year is, is, is find a way to get something good for the future because that's what this, this team is about. I still believe in our starting five plus whatever we get from our assets plus our young players. We just got to get healthy. I, I really do like our roster. And I still think the NBA is wide open. Yeah. Um, hmm. Yeah. I, Mello's obviously had some negative regression in his game. But at the same time, he's getting blocks and steals and rebounds and like all these useful things that without Mello, we don't get as a secondary, you know, defender which is crazy to think that Melo is probably one of our best defenders on the on the team but like we don't we didn't get that shit with uh Rio we got get it with Melo and it it's cool to see him just yell get the fuck out of here when I'm getting the rebound and shit so it's like yo if if Hassan and Melo both really love getting rebounds for their stat line that means we're getting rebounds, which is a really good change from what the beginning of the year. <laughs> and, you know, this, the Blazers have had such a trying season in the sense that currently after, after Scal and Rodney have been hurt, I think on paper that they are who they are. But if you look at the season holistically through 33 games, and we discussed on a few podcasts ago all of the games that could have went our way with a couple of different bounces. That this week could have easily been a three and a week. You know, we don't expect Dame to have a historically poor shooting performance from three against the Pelicans. The Blazers had a chance to win that game in Utah. Carmelo before, you know, everyone everyone wants to talk about the three over Gobert, but he has a chance to tie that game with a turnaround that kind of rims in and out. And that puts more pressure on Utah. Portland could have won that game. Then you go to the Laker game where had it not been for a series of horrendous calls that went against Portland and some, I would say some fluky shooting by, by, by LA players who just happened to get right against the Blazers that we lost by eight. I mean, that, that was a winnable game had a couple of those calls went our way. They give Dame the and one before it was, you know, Taken off the board. Tolliver um, not getting a fa- that could, foul call on LeBron on the, the breakaway. Dwight Howard horse collaring Anthony Simons. I mean, it, it's it's literally ridiculous. And the NBA is not shy anymore about the bias that they have towards star players. To review that call and say oh, he made contact with, with his his calf. There's contact on every play. That doesn't mean that's a foul. That means that you're so scared of LeBron James that you want to, to please him rather than do your job, which is unbiased and referee a game where you should have no rooting interest or any sort of, of bias towards. And, you know, it's it's... 
that's how that's how the league has been and how the league has always been and maybe the league knows that fans like me will never leave it because I am too in deep with this Blazers fandom but it, it, it is disheartening to see how poorly these games are being officiated uh, the last Laker game Terry Stotts was thrown out I think for the first time in his career and I'm surprised he didn't get thrown out this one as well because just egregious and did again, he get a had those gone our way we probably I think he did yes so the, he's probably had two tees this year I kind of like it when he well, when he gets upset because he, yeah. he has to. One thing I've learned: you have to find little ways to to light mm-hmm. a spark. And him, get, you saw how Pop got like. I think that I would much rather have Terry Stotts get a, a tactical and get thrown out than Damian Lillard. Like he's prepared Tibbets for this moment. You know, give him that chance. If if something is just so atrociously wrong, let them refs know. Like, that shit's going to be, like, that is more beneficial than Damien trying to get the refs' attention with that shit. Like, if, if, if Terry decides to get kicked out, it's for a fucking reason. And it might be the thing that gets the team together for that particular game. So, I, I like the fact that he's getting tacticals against... More than normal. All right, Sage, let's take a quick commercial break. Then let's get into the week that will be the first week of 2020. For you, the listeners of Holy Backboard, Grammarly is offering a free download of the Grammarly software. Grammarly's AI-powered products help people communicate more effectively. Grammarly helps you write mistake-free on Gmail, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and nearly anywhere else you write on the web. Grammarly corrects hundreds of grammar, punctuation, and spelling mistakes while also catching contextual errors, improving your vocabulary, and suggesting style improvements. To download Grammarly today, go to getgrammarly.com forward slash holybackboard. Again, that's getgrammarly.com forward slash holybackboard to download Grammarly for free. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Holy Backboard Podcast. Dustin and Sage here. Sage, a rough week for both of us. I went 0 and 3, you at 1 and 2. I'm 13 and 20 on the year. You're 19 and 14. Uh, it has been the most, I think, roller coaster predictions that I can remember. When I pick, we're going to win, they lose, and vice versa. I don't even know what to do anymore. I've tried to take my shot a couple of times, got shot down on these Laker predictions. Uh, we both took our shot against Utah, and it almost came to fruition. We got three. We got the Phoenix Suns to close out 20, 2019. Um, we played them Monday night in Portland, and then Portland embarks on a five-game road trip, starting with the Knicks on New Year's Day and the Washington Wizards on Friday. So. Three teams all under 500, which have given Portland problems. Portland has beaten Phoenix and New York already this year, but they will be without Scalabissier. Sage, let's start with the Suns, who did get DeAndre Ayton back from his 25-game suspension. Is he gone? That is... I mean. Can we just ban injuries? 
But this will be a different game because Devin Booker will be playing and he didn't play last time in Phoenix, which Portland won 111-110. Dame had that game winning and won. This is a team that is looking to creep up in the playoff standings and Portland is above the Suns. Sage, what do the Blazers have to do to get it done to close out the decade? I with think a that we have to protect the ball at all costs. The uh, Suns aren't a good defense, except they do force turnovers. So it's protect the ball and get rebounds. I think Hassan has to take advantage of, you know, the lack of the bigs because Baines is also dealing with a nagging injury. So I think Hassan has to establish dominance and get rebounds and end possessions for the Suns because you don't want Ricky Rubio to have more cracks at that, uh, at that at scoring because he is he is definitely the playmaker of that team bookers he still has a pretty nice usage rate but ricky rubio is just assisting and doing his playmaking thing for monty williams and the sun so i would i would definitely say that rebounding is gonna be the key is is uh, is an injured bane's gonna stop Hassan from getting them boards yeah, and you talked about Ricky Rubio and the Suns' offense. They had 31 assists in that last contest, and I do believe at the time of that first contest, they led the league in in assists per game. So they like to move the ball. They get a lot of open looks. For Portland, they went big three heavy to get that last victory against the Suns. You had Dame, CJ, and Melo combining for 80 points. I don't know if that's uh, sustainable and for Portland to be able to do that again. So for me, my X factor is going to be Anthony Simons. I've really liked what he has done for this team recently. He had 15 points and 10 boards against Utah. That really seemed to get him going. He looked a lot more fluid, had that monster dunk against the Lakers. This would be a big boost to really a down season if we can get Anthony to really start to scratch the surface into what his capabilities are. So the Blazers know what they have, and this is the perfect game for him to do it. It's going to be up and down. He's going to really not go up against any defender on the perimeter that, that can slow him down. And Portland is going to absolutely need some scoring punch off the bench, especially factoring in Scalabissier will not be there. So you've got Hassan which is a great X factor. Obviously the Blazers need to control the paint somehow. Mine is going to be Anthony Simons because I, I think Portland is going to need a pop off the bench and ooh, Sage, I, I am really up in the air as to who's what the X I factor on the other here. side. I think it's Kelly Oubre to me. It's it, God damn it. That's what I was going to say. Kelly Oubre, Kelly Oubre. <laughs> He had that four-point play prior to Dame getting the three-point play. Uh, he had 24 points on three of seven shooting from downtown. He always seems to give us fits. Uh, that's a tough matchup for Kent Bazemore. Probably too quick for Carmelo Anthony. And then you've also got a factor in Devin Booker who we didn't see. CJ and Devin Booker have always kind of had a little bit of a friendly rivalry. So I would uh, chalk up that matchup, circle that, and see who can get the better of who. And not just in terms of points, who's more efficient, who's getting more assists, who's getting more rebounds, who's filling up that box sheet, because they both can can be volume scorers. But we need, as you've always called with CJ, we, we need those extra stats 
those extra hustle plays, rebounds. I mean, everyone is going to have to gang rebound now. We just lost another seven-footer, so we're really going to need to crash the boards. So Portland really has to do their job in limiting second-chance opportunities for the Phoenix Suns, especially since they already share the ball. Who's going to be our backup center? What do you got, Sage? Moses Brown, they just brought him up. So he and Anthony Tolliver are going to be their backup bigs? Because Rio's hurt? Yes, sir. That's going to be tough. Um, So what did you say again? I'm sorry. For uh, win-loss? I didn't. I was waiting for you. (sighs) It's at home? I'm going to go win. Yeah, I'll go win as well. I'm pretty skeptical, but I would like to close out this this home-heavy month with, with a victory. I am very concerned about a a letdown. You go into Utah, you fight your ass off, you come up short. You know you're going to be up for the Laker game because it's LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and the league-leading Western Conference-leading Los Angeles Lakers. Now you're back to playing sub-500 teams. Portland just got snake bit from the Pelicans. I'm going with with my heart over my head on this one. I would not be surprised one bit if we drop it, but I will put it on wax that I am predicting a a Blazer victory. Sage, up next will be New Year's Day against the New York Knicks. They are 9-24 on the year, but have won two straight games. It is a team the Blazers have recently played. It's a different team, though. It's a different team. That's absolutely right. But Portland does have some success to to go off of. They destroyed the Knicks. Probably the best performance of the year, 115-87, to just 19 days ago on December 10th. So uh, Frankie Nilekina is now out of the rotation. Alfred Payton's now the starting point guard of the team, and he's kind of a competent point guard. You know he's not going to get any spectacular things, but as a as an NBA player, he's act he's an actual NBA player instead of uh, a project like uh, Nilekina and Dennis Smith is dealing with some some injuries. So uh, this the coaching change of uh, Mike uh, shit Mike Miller. Uh, I, I was trying to think of the cool. It's not the cool guy. It's not the cool Miami Heat guy. It's some weirdo. Uh, he has really established uh, Mitchell Robinson and Julius Randle. If it's a close game at all, those guys get extended run. Um, so they kind of kick Taj Gibson to the side and uh, now running with players that actually have potential. So yeah, I, I think Mitch Robinson could be a, compl- he could be a game changer because he's got the athleticism to really, really frustrate us on. Cause he, he, he he's a, he's a menace. And then uh, I think Julius is the main cog of this team because he he leads them in like points, rebounds, assists, assist percentage, touches. He's really the the main player on this team. So we got we have to concentrate on stopping Julius. Yeah, for for me, it's going to be mental, and and I say mental because Portland will be playing the New York Knicks. On New Year's Day. That means they'll be in Manhattan on New Year's Eve. CJ's already talked about on his podcast how he's looking forward to this game. I know the team is going to have a good time. It's it's tough to play on, on New Year's Day. That That's going to be a, a really big hurdle for, for this team to get over. And 
I'm not saying they're not going to be professional. I, they're going to go out, but it, it's still, they're still humans. And this still is a holiday. Like it, it's, it's, it's going to be, it's just an added difficulty on a game, which was already going to be the first game of a five game Eastern conference road trip. Winning games on the East coast is never easy, regardless of the opponent. You factor in that the Knicks have a lot of beef. I, I know you said that Taj Gibson's out of the rotation, but who's going to guard Julius Randle? Uh, Melo did a pretty good job in Portland holding him to six of eleven shooting for just fifteen points, but they also He's have Marcus Morris, Mitchell Robinson. So He's Marcus Morris out of the game, out. but he has he's injured. So, but they still, like you said, they still have Bobby Portis, Kevin Knox. They have players in waves. They got they get paid too, like yeah. uh, like the announcers say. My X factor will be Carmelo Anthony. It's going to be his return to Madison Square Garden. That there is going that is the saving grace I think for Portland to get up for this game because you know Melo wants to go off, and so that there's a gift and a curse somewhere in in that setting because. You could get good mellow where he really feels in rhythm. He's hitting open threes. You give him a couple of post-ups, let the crowd rise with every you know fever pitch whenever he touches that basketball. The curse, on the other hand, is he tries to do it too much. He tries to go one-on-one. The ball sticks. You're getting only one possession, one bad shot late against the shot clock. To me, that's going to determine the game. If you get a 30-point, 25-point night out of mellow, you're going to win this game. So do you think it's going to be a remember me night for Mello or I mean a... that's that's what he's going to want mm-hmm. and I don't blame him I, I think the teammates the also teammates, are going to absolutely gonna... they're going to want this for him and okay. that's you know again that's why you kind of weigh okay you're playing on New Year's Day versus okay you do have Mello making his return like that is going to get the team focused I think the Blazers do lose this game it's going to be tough to match New York's beef up front. If Portland is able to connect from downtown, they were 17 of 41 uh, the last time the two teams played, about 42% from downtown. The Knicks, 7 of 38, 18%. That's where the game was won. That's where you want the Knicks shooting is out on the perimeter. So whichever team can be respectable for from downtown is probably going to win. I just think that I think Melo's going to have his moments. I don't think it'll be a remember me game. And it is tough being in Manhattan the night before. I mean, the guys are going to, the guys are going to have a good time as they should. And it's just going to be tough. I I don't want them to lose, obviously. And this is a game that they should win, but um, you know, they probably will now that I'm picking them to lose, but I do have the Knicks winning this one. Mm Mm-hmm. I think the Blazers win because we got the guys that can put up big production really quick and make the opposing team, you know, unmotivated to play because they also are in New York on New Year's Eve. So I think if CJ and Dame hit them, oh, and Mello, I'll give Mello, and he 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 knows the shooting backdrop of this of this arena pretty damn well. If those three get it to a quick start, I think that the Knicks uh, resolve to play well goes out the window pretty quick. So if we get that that explosive first quarter, I, I think we win. So I'm going to go Blazers victory. 
All right, last on the docket will be the Washington Wizards. The Wizards, whew, not pretty. 9-22 and 22 on the year. They've lost 8 of their last 10. They are just 4-8 and eight at home. As you mentioned earlier, dealing with a rash of injuries. Their last game was a 7-point loss to the Knicks in Washington, and Bradley Beal did not play in that game. Did you uh, see your he- boy Gary Payton? Did not. So he started uh, two games for the Nets. One game he had like a fucking amazing 14 rebound, six block game. Was like the best player on the the, the the Wizards. And then I think he started for Brad Beal in that game that he was out. This is going to be a similar contest if Bradley Beal is injured or plays not at 100% to what the Portland Trailblazers faced earlier in the year when they played the Golden State Warriors sub D'Angelo and Draymond because there's not really a legit NBA starter on this Washington roster no. as as Absolutely as currently not. healthy. You know what I mean? Yeah, so a thing about the Blizzards is if you are playing Daily Fantasy, this is the number one team you target because they're atrocious defensively, run at a really high face but are really, really efficient offensively. So your starters play more minutes against the Wizards and have higher projected points because they're going against such a tr- trash defense. So I, I, this is going to be a closer game than most people think just because of how good the Wizards are at scoring. If Bradley Beal's healthy, if he's, if he's, not, if he's injured, this should be – they just don't have the talent. But Bradley Beal has made a lot of things happen with trash teammates like it, it, it's Isaiah Thomas and Troy Brown are his two best teammates right now with Davis and Rory and uh, Thomas Bryan and Mo Wagner all hurt. I, I mean, John Wall, obviously. So it's like just so much talent is hurt, but for whatever reason, they're efficient offensively, but they don't have any bigs. This is where Hassan Whiteside has to dominate. This is where he has to have a ceiling game because Bryant's not going to be there. Wagner's not going to be there. Rui, man, I feel sorry for that guy with his injury. Bertons is there. It's like, oh, shoot. Who is the Wizards? Like Their last game against the Knicks, they started Troy Brown, Gary Payton Jr., Isaiah Thomas, Ian Mahimi, and Jonathan Williams. Okay, yeah, yeah. I thought I, I forgot. Mahimi and then a guy with the initials AP has been getting the the you know the minutes that Ian Mahimi can't play. Kind of what we're gonna have to deal with with trying to replace us on just random guys. But they don't have the bigs. I, I think Mahimi I think Hassan is way too crafty of a guy to let Mahimi get extended minutes against him against him. So I think Hassan has a really big game for us. Looking at, at the Wizards it's going to be a game of what Blazer team shows up. We have seen the Blazers drop games to teams even less talented than this Wizards team. We've dropped games to this, like, the Wizards teams in the past, too. Like, uh, yeah. Marcus so, Bart, one of the Morrises hitting that three. Well, out of bounds. Nothing would surprise me at, at this point. Are, are the Blazers going to be motivated it's so difficult to predict because, you know, do you beat the Suns and the Knicks and you're, you're trying to get back in, in playoff position 
or do you split those games? Do you drop both? Where are they at from a from a state of mind? You know, how much longer can they continue to kind of just put their heads down and go to work and grind and really try to cement themselves as the the, the eighth seed or even try to chase down the Thunder, which just sounds ridiculous at this point in the season if you would have told me that in the summer. But those are the facts, and that's how the season has shook out so far. So what Blazer team are we going to get? If you just look on paper, Portland should win this game, and they shouldn't have a whole lot of trouble doing so. I think Portland's front court of Hassan and Melo really need to set the tone. The Blazer guards need to make a conscious effort to work Hassan in the pick and roll, get their bigs in foul trouble, live in the paint. Hassan is a incredibly efficient scorer. What I don't want to see is the Blazers run the same type of offense they did against the Lakers, where it was just a lot of ISO, a lot of difficult shots, especially uh, deep in range. And I understood why they had to take those shots because the Lakers play good defense. Mm-hmm. And you have a lot of bigs waiting for you. And your your options are, are limited in what you can run. But against a Wizards team that's that could start a, a backcourt of Gary Payton and Isaiah Thomas, the Blazers should be able to run what they want. And if you can get them to switch or go under screens, make them pay. So I, I think the Blazers, they should win this game. Will they? I, I'm not sure. I'm going to predict they do win it just because uh, Carmelo is from... The Baltimore area. Yeah, so, this the a, a, so this will be another homecoming of sorts. I think this could be a big Carmelo week for us. Uh, I got the Blazers winning this one. It is going to be a lot closer than anybody wants. I don't think it's going to be quite uh, pretty, to be honest. Oh, it's going to be disgusting, the the, but they're they're efficient. At, at the end of the day, yeah, yeah. You'll, you'll, they play you'll Bradley the Beal like 45 minutes a game. Like, of course, it's going to be close because Bradley Beal could generate offense. Like... I would I would say the Blazers just need to make sure they contain the the water bug point guards Isaiah Thomas and Smith, Smith. make sure they don't because the Blazers love they absolutely love to drop the big back in the pick and roll and just give up mid range jumpers which those two players have historically <laughs> I mean it was an MVP nails. candidate like three years ago wasn't he he could still yeah. he could still play ball like he's small like. He could have a very good game against us with our schemes. So don't count out the Wizards because they can score. They they can score. They just don't have bigs. Well, talent. They don't have talented bigs right now. They're just going through it. I mean, things could change with their health, but man, they 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 they're surprisingly good offensively. All right, Sage. I think the Blazers one- win. I'm going to three in a week. Whew. All right. Well, you've been the stronger predictor this season. I so feel far, like so I it... honestly, I have buyer's remorse from my prediction already. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have buyer's remorse. I, I went two and one and I feel buyer's remorse as well. But it's, it, it, they are incredibly winnable games. One thing I wanted to get to before we, we sign off on, on this episode, we had a, a Facebook comment from Nate Bratton and he brought up an interesting point in that everyone kind of talks about maybe Andre Iguodala, uh, possibly, you know, getting Jay Crowder from Memphis, but a player that he thought would be beneficial in adding or targeting is uh, Kyle Anderson. And 
super long defender, really smart, does play the game at a slower pace. His nickname is Slow Mo. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you th- what do you think about that that idea? I mean, it is definitely a little outside of the box because it's not a name that you traditionally see. I love see. the fact that it's outside the box. I really do. I like that he's being creative with trades. But um, Blazers are running at a top eleven pace. Last time I checked, so it isn't like we're running with Nurkic anymore. We're we're a little faster. Um, Slow Mo's getting a $9 million paycheck, so he isn't as cheap as uh, he was when he was running with the Spurs. But the real reason that I personally wouldn't make this trade, and we mentioned it earlier on this podcast, is that we need to see Anthony Simons in the backup uh, ball handler role. Slow Mo is the type of guy that is really efficient with the ball in his hands, and with our backcourt. Uh, in the secondary or uh, on the second rotation, I think that Anthony needs to be the guy with the ball in his hands. I think a trade for slow mo is in the future. If let's say that Anthony is the uh, shooting guard of the future, but right now with the question mark between with, with uh, Anthony as the uh, backup point guard, I would not make a trade for slow mo. Yeah, to me, he reminds me of a very poor man's Ben Simmons in the sense that you've got a a 6'9 big who can handle the ball, see over the defense, but he does need the ball in his hands and frankly kind of refuses to shoot from from the three-point line. He has never averaged more than a three a game over his career, and his average is just 31%. From, from downtown, and it has gone down mm-hmm. and it's one, over the past. And it's one shot a game, so just imagine how bad that three-point percentage is if Terry gives him that green light. And, like... It just reminds me a little bit too much of the Evan Turner mm-hmm. experiment. And so that that's why I would shy away from it. I don't think he's a bad player, but he's, in Terry Stotts' system, player I don't system. think it's a, a, a fit, yeah. And you need something to happen, like Dylan Brooks or Jay Crowder being injured, for him to get real run. Like if you can't beat out Solomon Hill on the Grizzlies, there's a little bit of a problem there. So I, I personally wouldn't, I really give props to Nate for thinking outside the the box on trades, but I, I, I just think this one isn't the one for the Blazers at this current time with this current players and this uh, current scheme that we're running. Sage, do you think the Blazers make a trade during the month of January? No. Or do you think they really go to the I deadline? Think they go to the deadline and make trades. It's just Do you still think we get a trade done? A trade, yeah. Big trade, no. I think we I think we make a trade, but I don't think it's gonna be the oh shit type of trade. I think it's gonna be like the Okay, I see this. I see what you're saying seeing, Neil. I don't think it's going to be like the, 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 the windmill slam trade. I think it's going to be like a small time move. What about you? I think January is when we see something done. Okay. Are you, what you saying like we sign someone like a Ken Free no, no, or we, we make mi- a trade? No trade. I think we we are we aggressively trading to who are we like trying to trade right now? I. I don't know. I wish. I wish I knew. I just have it. I have. I have a gut feeling that that Neil can't sit idly by 
any longer. So do you think it's a a big one or just like a smaller? I mean, we had discussed earlier on on this podcast a Scal and Anthony Tolliver type trade for for a Jay Crowder, similar to what Portland did for for Rodney Hood, doing a two for one, but giving depth. I, I don't know if that's necessarily in in the cards. I think that the Blazers are going to get to a point sometime in January where there's still going to be plans to bring Yusuf back, but they may be so far below 500 that they just make a trade for, for 2020 and 2021. And yeah, it's probably going to cause them to lose even more games, especially if it is at the hands of moving your only big in, in Hassan Whiteside. But I think the writing on the wall is going to come sooner than, than most expect. And I think the the tip of the iceberg will be this upcoming five-game road trip. The Blazers are really going to have to find a way to, to not only win, but look good doing so. And I think style points do matter. You don't want to continuously see your team struggle to beat these teams like the Suns or, or Knicks. And yes, we have discussed that at the end of the day, winning matters. But if you really do think that you can give uh, a Denver... Uh, a Clippers, a Lakers team, a fight in, in round one, then by all means, like let's 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 do that. But from what I've seen so far, is this team just is 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 who they are. They're a depleted roster that has glimpses. They could hang around for forty five or forty eight minutes, but they're just not currently built to go all forty eight against not even elite, but but just good teams. So uh, I think the Blazers. And Neil O'Shea in particular will will look to target someone that can make the, the this team better in, in the future. Um, it's just it's obviously I have no inside information, just kind of a, a gut instinct. I think I also think we see Nurk back early February. Early February is my prediction for for the big fella. Okay. Um. Yeah, I think it's going to be a quiet January, but you know, as soon as something happens, we'll probably be, we'll be here talking about it and breaking it down. I I will say if it's between Kent and Hassan, I I don't know if one, both, or neither gets traded, but my money would be on Portland moving Kent before they do Hassan, just because of you. You may not want to go down that path of. Trading Hassan and not having any bigs at all. That, that I mean, you may not be ready to do. You you may not be ready to to pull that to push that button just right now. That may becomes trade that trade deadline type where you really know what you have. But if if the Blazers are, are looking to to make a move sooner than, than later, my money would would be on base just because of how well Gary Trent's been playing. You have a lot of wing players that you can you can still stay afloat a little bit. And plus, you're also getting whatever you get back in return for for Bazemore. I would agree with you on that. Like, man, how how bad of basketball would it be if we traded Hassan and got, you know, future assets that can't really help us now at the center position? That that that's going to be some miserable basketball. We won't get rebounds at all. Like, we'll get like 25 rebounds a game while the other team gets 45, 50. Just go super small oh, ball. Oh, God. Oh, man. 
I keep thinking about when the Spurs took out Tim Duncan against the Heat and how they couldn't get rebounds at all. God damn, I don't want that to happen to us. I mean, it's absolutely a possibility. And, you know, I I would like to have some rebounding. You know, I don't want to get, be the, like the the leading team in NBA franchise history at allowing defensive rebounds. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, it's going to be an interesting few months, man. So I, I, I'm ready to ride with you and see what see what happens. Yeah, man, Blazers forever. Like this is the down year, but we're still here. We'll be yeah. back, back again next week. Uh, hopefully, discussing a three and zero week. You know, it, that's kind of the how the yeah, season is gone. I, I have buyer's remorse already in a thing that has no consequence to me, other than you know my prediction record. But like, but you could be completely right. So let's. Th- I mean, that's why yeah. they play the game. So let's hope the Blazers. Finish the decade strong, get it done in Phoenix, and we get some vintage mellow games on on the East Coast. And Sage, Happy New Year. Let's go Blazers. And yep. I love you, bud. Um, we are available on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, uh, Himalaya Podcast, Nothing But Net Radio, Tuesdays, 2 p.m. to 3, 5 p.m. Eastern. If you guys are in Portland, I know Rip Twitty has an event for that Knicks game. You should check out their Twitter to get more information. I appreciate what they do for the community so much. New Year's Day at, uh, with Rip Twitty. Check out their Twitter. Wherever you may be, this is Bill Shinley. Good night, everybody. Let's go! Let's go!